Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. I'm Dr. Steve Nissen, and I'm here with Dr. Kalra, who is going to talk with us about uh, this fascinating syndrome of stress cardiomyopathy. So some of our, our uh, viewers may not actually understand this disorder. So maybe you could give a quick summary of what is stress cardiomyopathy, some of its, syn of its synonyms as well. Sure. So um, it's um, a manifestation of stress. Um, and, uh, you know, patients typically present like they're having a heart attack. Uh, I think the, the major difference is that in cases of heart attack, uh, you can actually see a clot in one of the blood vessels that is running on the surface of the heart. Yeah. Uh, impeding flow to the heart muscle. Yeah. In stress cardiomyopathy, there is no clot. Yeah. Um, usually the blood vessels are clean. Yeah. And uh, when you then take a look at the heart muscle, the heart muscle is not moving uh, as, as well as it should. Uh, yeah. you know, as a matter of fact, the base is, for the most part, the base is hypercontractile. Yeah, so the base is hypercontractile, but the apex of the heart is, is stunned. Yeah, is some moving. people refer to this, you know, the some of the echocardiographers mm -hmm. as a light bulb ventricle. Yes, it looks like now. And of course, light bulbs don't look like they used to, but mm -hmm. the the old light bulb, the Edison is, light bulb. Yeah, the Edison <laughs> light bulb, narrow at the base, mm -hmm. big bulging apex, mm -hmm. and left ventricular function can be pretty severely impaired. Pretty severely. Have you impaired. seen Have you seen shock with this? Yes, I have. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not as common, fortunately, yeah. but you know, it, there are some extreme cases where you'll have shock. Yeah. yeah. Typically, uh, the gender, age, what are the demographics look like in people that have this? Um, so typically, it's more common in women. Uh, you know, uh, women in, in their mid to upper 60s, early 70s, you know, that's the usual demographic which yeah. has been described in the literature. Yeah. yeah. Now, you've done some recent work in this. You publish in JAMA uh, Network Open, which is a very good journal. And uh, what were your findings? What are the new, what's new? So, you know, the uh, 2020, I think, is, is going to be the year of the pandemic. You know, I don't think it's a yeah. surprise to anyone. I think we'll <laughs> never forget this year. We will never forget this year. And, um, you know, as, as providers and, and physicians taking care of patients with heart attacks, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we were seeing an uptick in, in the cases of stress cardiomyopathy yeah. in our cath labs. Yeah. And so the question that came to our mind, minds was, you know, is, is this just a cluster uh, that we're seeing or is there truly um, an association with what's happening in the world, what's happening around us? Yeah. Uh, that is the stress of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not, uh, not necessarily an affliction of the virus, yeah. but, you know, psychological, social and economic stress of the pandemic. Fear, you Fear. know, Absolutely. emotionally taxing period of time. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, that, that is, that may be an understatement, you know, for, yeah. for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. So what we, what we did was we, uh, we went ahead and, and looked at the incidence of stress cardiomyopathy during the pandemic months in Northeast Ohio, yeah. you know, when we were at our initial peak. And what hospitals did you look at? Um, so specifically the main campus yeah. and uh, Cleveland Clinic Akron General. Yes. Uh, so the, the two hospital sites. Yes. Uh, and what we, um, we looked at cases that were coming to our cath labs at these two hospitals. Yeah. Um, and we made a diagnosis of stress cardiomyopathy. Yeah. And then our historical control, uh, so we compared it with the pre-pandemic months. Yes. So March and April of last year and March and April of 2018. That's probably important that you looked at the same months in the previous year because there is some variation 
in myocardial infarction from month to month. Uh, that's that's uh, that's one of the reasons why we actually did that. You know, we wanted very to control smart. for yeah. uh, any uh, any seasonal variations, like you pointed yeah. out. You, yeah. know, you know that that have been described in the literature. Yeah. Uh, so we wanted to control for that, and then we also picked January and February of 2020. You know, just yeah. just to have a an immediate historical yes. control. Yeah. And what we found in all of those time periods was that the incidence of stress cardiomyopathy was anywhere between one to two percent, yeah, one point five to one point seven percent, yeah, to be precise. Or in absolute and that's numbers. consistent with what's in the literature, isn't it? It is. So one to two, one to two percent of acute mm-hmm. MIs presenting mm-hmm. the hospital, enzyme positive events, mm-hmm. end up getting the diagnosis of a stress cardiomyopathy or Takotsubo's syndrome. Absolutely. And what did you see in March and April of? Uh, of this year, um, so March and April of this year, that number actually rose to eight percent. Unbelievable! It's yeah. a huge increase. Huge increase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, did you actually calculate a hazard or odds ratio or some anything um, like that? Uh, so we we did was um, we we calculated a risk ratio. So yeah, relative you know, risk. Yeah. yeah. So what is the relative risk ratio uh, for just being in the pandemic month and having this diagnosis yeah. was like four point five percent. Yeah. Four point five fold. Four point five fold. Yeah. yeah. So four point five fold increase mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, from one year to the next, and there's nothing else that changed really, other than than this pandemic. Absolutely. Um, do you have any information about whether or not um, this has continued beyond March and April? Do you have any sense of that? So, um, great question. Again, you know, it's something we were actually compiling. We have compiled the data. We're actually analyzing. Yeah. You know, to see, yeah. we wanted to see if the there is an association with the, you know, from a from a health policy standpoint. You yes. Know, the policies were relaxed a little bit. Yeah. In 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 May and June. Yeah. So wanted to see if that led to any any drop. Yeah. And so that will in, be an in interesting of piece of research to actually follow up on, um, but. Obviously, your message to practitioners is you, we need to be more alert uh, about this syndrome. Uh, that there, these that that increase is really quite striking, yeah. and uh, you know while it is a retrospective observational study, you know something that I learned in statistics a long time ago is that if you have a a relative risk of more than two in an observational study, it's probably real. Yeah. You know, unmeasured confounders can't explain it away. Uh, 4.5 is in the range where, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's three, maybe it's seven, but it's, it's clearly an increase. Um, Have you had any fatalities from this? Uh, One patient, you know, unfortunately during the pandemic month. Patient had shock? um, Actually presented with ventricular fibrillation arrest. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how, how did you, how did you know it was Takatsubo's? So, you know, uh, resuscitated, yeah. um, brought to the uh, cardiac catheterization laboratory, yeah. had an urgent angiogram, completely normal coronaries. Normal coronaries and had the a- the typical apical... The typical you know, apical ballooning, ballooning with a hypercontractile base. Yeah. yeah. So it was a pretty good clinical, you know, diagnosis. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, obviously shock and serious ventricular arrhythmias can occur here. Yes. Do you have any... Any advice for practitioners that don't see this often about management? I mean, how, what's your typical management approach? Um, so, again, you know, great, great question. I mean, if you look at the data which is being published out of the Intertag Registry, which is one of the largest international registries on, on the syndrome, uh, in the long term, um, and again, this is retrospective. So, yeah. 
Uh, ACE inhibitors may have some role in, in, in preventing recurrence or in, in long-term recovery. Yeah. Uh, you know, beta blockers, which are cornerstone for any other cardiomyopathy, um, actually have no role uh, in, in, in the long-term prognosis. So. Now, you'd think that, you know, given the fact that, that this is the hypothesis, of course, is that this is, you know, mediated by, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, neurohormonal activation, catecholamine mm -hmm. surge. Mm -hmm. One would think that beta blockers would be helpful. Uh, the, the data does not suggest that they're helpful. Does not suggest that in the short term, maybe, and you know that's what we that's what we typically do. We would probably discharge patients on low dose beta blockers, yeah. but yeah. I, I actually discontinue them when I see them back in the office. How, how soon do you discontinue them? In about six to eight weeks. And tell me what the data is that tells us that that's the right thing to do. Um, no, no, no robust data. So okay, it's, we it's, don't know one way or the other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. That's probably something, if you are seeing so many of these cases, it might be worth at some point doing a randomized controlled trial to find out if beta blockers are of any long-term benefit for oh, this. Oh, yeah, that would be a phenomenal RCT yeah. uh, for, for this question. Could, could be none. Yeah. What else should people know about? What else should practitioners know about this syndrome? Um, you know, I think uh, the, in the short term can be fatal. So, you know, don't don't take this don't take this casually, you know. Yeah. There, there, there can be ramifications in the short term. Yeah. Uh, the good news, you know, both for practitioners and patients um, is that in the long term, the recovery yeah. uh, is pretty good. What percent of people get, get, end up with normal ventricular function down the road? Um, I'd say that number is fairly high. I don't, I don't want to be imprecise. It's not 100 percent. It's not 100 percent. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I would say upwards of Certainly upwards of 80%. Yeah. Yeah. Do very, very well. Do very well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. How long do you keep in the hospital? Um, so I would say anywhere between two to three days. So um, short-term hospitalization. Short-term hospitalization. Do you, do you send them all home on ACE inhibitors if they have adequate blood pressure? I do. Yeah. I do. Is there, what evidence do we have for the efficacy of ACE inhibitors? Probably not very good. Yeah, so, but again, you know, from the uh, Intertalk Registry, uh, yeah. the Temlin paper, which was published in the New England Journal, I think yeah. now about maybe five or seven years ago, yeah. showed that in the long term, you know, the group that was on ACE inhibitors tended to do better in terms of having recurrence of yeah. major adverse cardiac events compared but, with the group that was... Was that a randomized control trial? No, again, no. retrospective. So observational. Observational retrospective, large, you know, registry, a lot of patients. Okay. Yeah. Well, fascinating work that you've done. Uh, congratulations. It's really, um, it, it tells us all that we need to be much more aware of this syndrome and uh, try to make the diagnosis and, and reassure patients are going to get better. And, uh, but be careful because they may have arrhythmias and they may have shock and they may need Absolutely. more intensive treatment. In your series, did you have to put anybody on mechanical circulatory support or anything like that? No, no patients yeah. were yeah. on mechanical circulatory support. So they generally have done pretty well. Generally did okay. well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this uh, fine piece of work and for thank bringing you. our viewers up to speed on, on Takatsubo's cardiomyopathy, uh, stress cardiomyopathy. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.